Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very entertaining, informative, heartfelt episode and interview with Tim Heal. Tim and I have connected over multiple conversations and back and forth through each of our podcast platforms. And this is the beautiful thing about podcasting, the number of different people that I get to connect and meet with from all over the world. Tim has so much history that he shares, humor, sense of humor, stories, and it's just such a beautiful, powerful episode. As he shares the power of storytelling, sharing our stories, leaving our stories when we are no longer here. Tim started his podcast during the pandemic, and it is called Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories. Beautiful, beautiful. Love this title because he's all about storytelling. And he shares how he started it during the pandemic. And he really started to download parts of his story and his life that he wanted to share and leave to others. And then started really stepping into interviewing other guests. He openly invites the conversations on his podcast and on his weekly show and continues to dive into topics that most people have questions on, would love to learn more about and relate with to others. Yet these are the topics that we rarely speak about, and they are not the ones that we can find easy information on. Tim has so many stories that he shares. Throughout this episode, he shares his experience working with the British Army in a number of different jobs and experiences and lessons. And uh, he spoke about rugby and he talked about um, hang gliding and uh, all of these pieces, especially leading down into how he spent the last eight years in the army as a unit welfare officer for the London, London central garrison. And he took part in all the ceremonial duties in London during this time. He is retired. He spends much of his time podcasting and vlogging and spends a lot of time giving back to others. This is such a beautiful episode with so many heartfelt messages in it. You're absolutely going to love it. Welcome to the show today, Tim. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Good, 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 good. You and I have connected multiple times over the last month or so, I believe. Um, Thank you, Podmatch. Yes, thank you, Podmat. Can you tell everyone where you are from? I was born just outside London on the north side, mm-hmm. um, a place called Hatfield in Hertfordshire. And um, Hatfield was one of the new towns. It, it was actually an old town, but it became a new town after the Second World War, mm-hmm. uh, where they were moving out an awful lot of East London and North Londoners because of the, the lack of housing. So. They, they were thrown out what they call prefabs, uh, prefabricated houses at the yeah. end of the Second World War. Okay. And um, uh, and, and 
lots and lots of people moved out to these new towns and which Hatfield was one of them and it was a pretty pretty rough area when I was growing up as a kid it was that rough that they used to teach the kids how to fight before they could walk before they were allowed out um so it, so once you did learn to walk you went out and at least you had half a chance of fighting somebody off <laughs> okay so a violent area there was definitely like a rough area it certainly had its moments oh and i mean what did what did you learn from growing up in that kind of environment um resilience how to look after yourself mm-hmm. um just pretty much um all the life skills that, that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, and uh, you you spent, right, a large part of your adult life in the British Army. I did. What I joined was, the Army. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, I joined the Army as a young lad at 16, and uh, it took me two attempts <laughs> to get into the Army. But I got in and, and, and never really looked back. Um, and I had a, a career that spanned about 44 years in all. Um, I did some regular service. Um, I came out and went into the reserves. Um, then I went out to the regular reserves and then came back in on what we call full-time reserve. Uh, and I did 20-odd years on full-time reserve. Um, 10 of those, 11 of those years was in psychological operations where I did seven operational tours. Um, I did two tours of Kosovo. I did Macedonia, and I was in Macedonia when 9-11 happened. Five months later, I'm flying into Kabul thinking, what have I done? Wow. Uh, and then I did two further tours of Afghanistan, and then I did one tour of Iraq, which um, which I didn't really like much. I I am sure. I'm I I am sure. I can I can understand when you mm. mentioned the um, operator on seven operational deployments. You said psychological. Can you tell people what that is? Some people will call it propaganda, lies, and deception. Mm. However, what it really boils down to uh, 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 the bottom line is is military marketing. Okay. And what it is, the definition of psychological operations is a psychological operation directed at a known target audience to affect a change in attitudes and or behaviour uh, for political and military aims. That's it. It's just marketing. It's, it's just marketing. hearts and minds operation. What it that's what it, it's hearts and minds. It's just just getting people to a message that you want to portray and that's what we did and i loved it wow i'm sure you learned a lot during that time what are a couple of the key like you learned resilience growing up right let's talk about um some of the things that you might have seen things that might have stayed with you or key lessons that you look back and think i wouldn't be who i am today without living that time oh Big question. Big question. How long we've got? (laughs) (laughs) First thing that drops down. We we could be for quite some time. Um, I've seen so much. I really, really have. That that's that's maybe who I am. Back in the early days in the army, um, my first tour of Northern Ireland. uh, I don't know whether many people know about the Northern Ireland conflict. It went on for 30-odd years. It was called Op Banner, 
and the British Army, it for us, um, it was a live training experience. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean, it was it was life or death. <laughs> I mean, we we had some we had some real tough times there. The first tour I did in 1977, I was only a young lad. I, I literally had my 19th birthday out there, and we had shootings most days. We had rocket attacks, RPG seven rocket attacks. We had half a dozen, half a dozen of those while we were there. And, and riots. We were always called out to <laughs> somebody throws stones at us. Um, but we 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 trained really hard for that. Um, that particular deployment and while you were there you don't think about it your training kicks in and and you're seeing all this stuff and and, and for young lads it's great fun it really is um and it was the first time i'd seen a dead body uh, and i saw half a dozen on that tour and that puts a slightly different perspective on it mm-hmm. that 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 enables you enables you to grow up a little bit quicker mm-hmm. um and ever since i've, I've been okay uh, around talking about death and 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 normalizing it because you I mean so many people treat death as a, as, as a, a taboo subject it, it, it's off the radar you can't speak about it unless uh, and uh, until somebody dies and and then then there's all the grief that goes with it, but it's it shouldn't be that. It should be a celebration of that person's life. Mm. Um, so, so that's one of the, the big lessons that I learned early on. And um, over the years, I, I, I'd seen I've, I've seen I don't know how many lost count, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the latter years uh, on the operational tours. Um, Kosovo was pretty horrendous at times. Um, my my job out there was um i ended up <laughs> you 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 couldn't make this up i was a psycho psychological um operator my job was my predominant role was um coming up with a campaign to to work with the, the serbian population that they were in kosovo at the time and they were in small enclaves and it, it was providing them with information for their safety and giving them safe routes to, to get around the place to do their business mm-hmm. and we worked quite a lot with the uh the main monastery in Gratsanica, which is just to the to the south of pristina which was the capital okay um and then and then we had a because i did two tours back to back when we had the the rip the relief in place the new brigade came out and they wanted to change things up as to how our, our team worked and they put the the, the PSA, which is a psychological support element, in with the media ops team. And the, they had a, a driver for the media ops team who used to drive a secure fit Land Rover that had a secure radio in the back, had a secret brick in it um, the, for the comms, basically. Um, he got uh, a compassionate and, and got taken out of, of the operation. There was nobody else other than me that could drive that secure vehicle. So the media ops team, what they did was, um, if there was an incident of some sort, and and I'll give you a for instance, there was a a mass grave find. 
uh, and there was quite a few of those at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the media ops officer would be deployed out uh, with this vehicle, and I was <laughs> the driver for it because I had to go and sign out uh, the, the crypto, the, this this brick that that had secret information on it. It did the secret communications. So we had that on board. We had a satellite phone and we had mobile phones. And we would go out to the incident and we would be the link between the commander on the ground and uh, the journalists. Mm-hmm. So while we were traveling to, to whatever incident it was, we'd be calling up the journalists to tell them to, to meet us at one particular place. And we would um, be their eyes and ears on the ground with the local commander that was dealing with the incident. And uh, through that, I got to see a huge amount of stuff. That um, and the mass graves were pretty, pretty horrendous. I think this is, and I and and I know it's a heavy topic. I appreciate you sharing this because just in the time that I've known you, like you are somebody who is out there talking about the things that people don't necessarily want to talk about. They don't want to draw attention to it. They don't, but, and then when we do that, which is why I always relate to um, how you're speaking. When we do this though, we are making these topics even harder to talk about, right? We're ignoring what is happening. And one of the things you said, um, like talking about um, death is not a taboo subject. Like we have to start it's a reality that we're all going to experience at some point or form. It's, it's definitely going to happen. Um, As you do that, you've created this platform. I don't want to jump ahead, but I do in a sense, because like, as you created what you do now, like you are having incredible conversations with people from all over the world. And this is a beautiful thing about podcasting is you get to create this. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to segue this as best as I can. When you are saying, you know, we, we want to start talking about these things. We want to really start to remember these stories. We don't want to forget these stories. Is that part of who you are? And that is what led you to create the kind of podcast you have, because you have a different, I've been on a lot of podcasts. You have a very different podcast. I love it. And I just, as I'm listening to you talk now, I feel like that connection is is important. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, what I what, the reason I got into it in the first place was um, I was I was doing ancestry, and I found my great grandfather, mm-hmm. and he lived just across the the harbour from where I live now in Portsmouth, and he was a chief stoker in the Royal Navy. And I found his military records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He died back in 1930. And I'd love to sit down and have a chat with him about his life and what it was like in the Navy at the time. Unfortunately, without a time machine, I can't do that. Okay. His story is lost. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and nobody will ever know what he did. When we went into the lockdown, um, I mean, I was drinking a little bit. I'll put my hand up to that. Um, well, I am susceptible to to a little drop of space drum now and then, and uh, sometimes I can I can drink vast quantities of it. Mm-hmm. So, with nothing to do, um, and I, I got a little bit bored with with 
ancestry. I've, I've come up against brick walls all over the place. I've got to thinking, if I don't tell my story, it'll be lost forever. Mm-hmm. And 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 I got a, it's an okay story. I mean, if 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 any of your listeners out there are are suffering from insomnia, particularly, um, listen to one of my podcasts. I did twenty four half an hour episodes of my life, and it's guaranteed to put anybody asleep, <laughs> even that, or it give them nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay, keep going. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> see how I carried that off. I was quite serious when I told you. I, I know. <laughs> I know. You're very smooth in how that transition happened. So so that's what I did. Um, and I got to the end of that, and I, I did a couple of uh, in, in-depth in, in, uh, episodes of, of my life. Uh, I did some other things that I, I, I was focused in on. And I got to the end of it. What do I do now? <laughs> we're still in lockdown uh, on board what about telling other people's lives mm-hmm. so the first one I did um, was my mother so oh. my mum's still alive I mean she's she's what, 82 this year no 83 blimey 83 my mother mm-hmm. and she's still spending my inheritance <laughs> she is mm. <laughs> mom. <laughs> Might might have to might have to visit her sometime with a pillow, maybe. Depends on how desperate I get for a few funds. We're joking. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is a joke my dad says regularly. Just so, like my dad will say that regularly. We're going on a trip, we're spending your inheritance. He will say that. Yeah. Is it? Like on a regular basis. Yeah. So you be careful when you go to sleep. I might pop around with a pillow. <laughs> Okay. See, this is the sort of conversation you can have around death. Yeah. I, I have this conversation with my mother fairly regular. I mean, mm. she tells me that she's going out. She, she, she apologizes for spending my inheritance. And I say, it's all right. One day I'll catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you take a sense of humor to something that is, like I said, it's, it's, it affects all of us. And something you said early on is the fact that because we don't want to talk about it, we treat it as a taboo top topic. And then when it happens to people that we know, we are still treating it like a taboo topic, which means I don't know what to say to them. So I'll say nothing. Like one of the common mm-hmm. things I see a lot on um, from people I get to interview is when they've gone through loss they will say, you know, I had this incredible circle of people. And then all of a sudden it was like, I had a plague or something and people were afraid to talk to me. So they just leave. Like, it's just now I'm so alone and isolated. And so I think that talking about our stories and our history is really Mm -hmm. important because it's it's a piece of that connection, but I I just love that and how you're doing it because I think this is something that we should talk about more. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things um, with, when there's a death, I'll pick up on that point you just made there. People treat uh, you like a leper or, or or they, they go over top. They, they really don't know what to say to you when, uh, they'll send flowers, they'll send a card, uh, and and they may be all over you like a cheap rash in the first week or two. And yes. once the funeral's out of the way, they think it's over. Mm, it's, it's starting. It's, it's, the, it's the month and years mm-hmm. of loneliness after a loss. That's when you need your friends. And that's probably when you find out who your real friends are. 
Yes. It's, it's further down the road. Uh, um, and they are turning up two, three, four months, a year, two, three years later. And they're, st- and they're still having a laugh about um, about a person that you cared for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I mean, I say fortunate. How can we say? My best mate um, from years ago, we we were, I mean, we were, we were close. I mean, we were so close. I mean, we used to go away a lot together. We used to go up into the mountains. We used to hike, use it hike. <laughs> we did it sort of military hiking. Didn't have an awful lot of choice to do whether we did it or not, actually. Um, but we were really close. I mean, uh, uh, him and my wife, or his wife and my wife, were really close. Yeah. He took his own life in 2005. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know to this day why he did it. But we've had the conversation, and, and we're quite happy to talk about him a year later, my wife died. Mm-hmm. Um, so he died on the tenth of November, or the eleventh of November in two thousand five. My my late wife died on the tenth of November two thousand and six. November is a pretty tough month. Yeah. About four years after my wife died, we actually got together with my best mate's wife, and um, we've now been married for just over twelve years. We're comfortable with each other. We've known each other for best part of forty years, so yeah. we've got no secrets. We've got, you know, we, we can't, we don't, we we're comfortable about talking about um, Dave and Sandra. Mm-hmm. So we, each year goes by, it it, it, it gets a little bit easier. It's, I mean, it's still a raw wound, really, but we can talk about it, and we can talk about it to the kids. So. Mm-hmm. And we can have that normal conversation. And that's what I'm trying to bring to the world. I think that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Have that conversation. I think that's exactly what you're doing. And I thank you for sharing that. That's it's actually very I'm gonna say beautiful how it came together um for the two of you because I think that you both can you've experienced a level of pain and experience a story that you both understand there is no explaining it mm-hmm. to the other person you both get it you both lived it mm-hmm. yeah we next best mate um that we've known each other for, for for an awful long time as well and we've been through a lot lot of stuff together mm-hmm. um and it's his funeral tomorrow and i mean the funny part about that is that we've had the conversation about what his funeral is going to be and um it's going to be a celebration of his life Mm-hmm. He's going to be dressed up in a minion suit. Oh, are you serious? Serious, yeah. Um, and and nobody's allowed to turn up in in dark clothes. Um, all the ladies are going to be wearing bright clothes. Uh, and for for the military types, we were obviously wearing our blazers and, and medals mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate his life. And uh, I'm giving a eulogy, and it's oh. going to be very serious about his life he was a larger than life character and how i'm going to keep a straight face telling that i don't know if people are not falling around in the aisles then i've got it wrong yeah could you... <laughs> <laughs> no, you can see that no, you can see whether that. i can keep it together or not on the day is something else but 
It's okay not to keep it. It's okay not to keep it together, but it's, it's, it's honoring them, right? It's honoring them and who they are. I often share the story that my, um, my grandmother, when she passed and I was with her in the hospital, all her family was gone. So when she was first diagnosed, everything went really fast. She was never left the hospital and Mm. we were very close. And I think she was about three days before she passed that to the point where she wouldn't even let us see her anymore. And she called, called on the phone. And she said, everyone here says that I've got to have like Uncle Johnny doing the eulogy and it's my funeral and that's not going to happen. Marsha, will you do the eulogy? <laughs> Literally her <laughs> words. And I just sat there and I'm like, okay, I can do that. She goes, okay, here are the rules. You need to bring some humor to it. You've got to have some fun with it. I want you to celebrate who I was. And mm-hmm. I just honestly, like that actually freaked a few people out when I told them. I thought it was fantastic that she she knew what she wanted. She was crystal clear. And I that was the first eulogy I've ever done. And I just tried to bring so much of her personality to the like to her to her funeral. And I still I still think about that talk so many times because it hits home. But this is the piece you're talking about is really what it comes down to. Like, can we celebrate who they are? how they yeah. lived and what they did. And she was crystal clear. That's exactly what she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the best that we can do for somebody, not yeah. mourn their loss, but celebrate their life. Mm-hmm. And and if people can, can just take that board and be, and be comfortable. The main thing is being comfortable talking about it mm-hmm. and, and, and finding the, the joy that they brought to to, to the world, mm-hmm. and not not mourn the loss because they go on to somewhere else, and uh, I'm sure they look down on us and thinking you dirty buggers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, actually, I'm sure. I'm going to actually twist and turn that a little bit, segue in the sense that it's also a reminder. This is this is a reminder that keeps coming back to me on a regular basis. Is Am I living the life that I am meant to live? Like, am I here doing what I am meant to do? Am I playing small? Am I stopping myself? I can't remember the quote right now, but like, I don't want to come to the the end of my life. Like I want to slide in and say, I used every single thing, every single gift I had. Like I did not play small. And so that's the reminder that it makes me think of is, I mean, and no matter what, we still take things for granted. We're human beings but can I take things for granted a little bit less? Can I actually appreciate them more every day? Because knowing that these are experiences that we're all going through. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to turn up at the pearly gates. <laughs> I'm going to be sort of hobbling up to the pearly gates saying, here, Pete, can I have another body? I've worn this one out. <laughs> By the way, I ain't got no regrets. I love that. I love that. So when it comes to your show, you also, when you interview guests, you do things in a very different way. And, and I loved it. It was a great experience. Like I actually did dive into myself and who I was and what I have come through. So I would love it if you would tell everyone the name of your show and how you interview guests, what you take them through. Okay. Um, it used to be called the Tim Hill Podcast. That didn't really work 
It wasn't getting many sort of clicks and likes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I retitled it Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories. Mm -hmm. And that's got a little bit more traction. Yeah. And I find my guests via Podmatch at the moment, and I'm finding that it's fairly inexhaustible. (laughs) (laughs) The same. I love Podmatch, but wow, I am inundated right now. It's a struggle sometimes, but mm-hmm. anyway, there's everybody. Everybody has a story, mm-hmm. and I have a basic format for the show where I ask uh, my guests uh, if they can tell us where and when they were born. I ask them if they can describe what it was like where they grew up, and that's the important bit to, to get as descriptive as possible. Um, and then we we'll look at their their school life. Um, where they went to school, the types of school they went to, the education that they received. Mm-hmm. And we'll kick that around for quite a bit. And, and and I'll draw out some stuff that they've forgotten about and and find out what their favourite subjects were, which were their worst subjects, and how they kind of got on at school. And then we'll move on to their their work life. Uh, and we'll do the same with that. We'll, we'll knock that around for a bit and we'll pull out some little nuggets of information on that. And then we'll start focusing on, on something that... that they are passionate about or something mm-hmm. that they want to talk about and that's kind of how uh, the the ordinary people's extraordinary stories goes and mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm up in the getting close to i'd know a lot <laughs> i hear you i do i hear you yeah i love it i love what you do on the show and again just because it's so different so everyone anybody who's listening like you can take your idea in podcasting and do it however you want. I think that's the beautiful mm. thing. And yeah, yeah. lead with something that speaks to you, that's important to you, because it's it's a lot easier to stay consistent when it's something that means something to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the way that I look at it is that I've got two of these, mm-hmm. one of these, yep. and that's kind of how I use them. And, and I let people open up i let them tell their story mm-hmm. and i just give them a little prod along the way if they the, the the one thing that i find is that people go from kindergarten to to leaving college and and they, they miss so much out in the middle so i have to just reel them back in and we'll take them back just force it out of them sometimes that might have been me, to be honest. It might have been me too, because I, I just know, mm. like, it's like, oh, wait, I don't know. Let me think for a second. Just trying to think yeah. back to some of those things. And it's been funny since then, because I found an old, like, storage box that had, like, all old memorabilia. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And just mm. seeing those things and remembering them. So I love it. When you decided to start the podcast, I realized that you were sharing in the beginning, like pieces of your story, and then you decided to do more with it. Is it a surprise to you how much it's grown and what you've done with it? Or do you look back and go, yep, this makes sense. This is exactly, I'm not surprised I'm doing this. I'm finding that I am getting better at being a host. Mm-hmm. I am really, really enjoying speaking to people. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that I do it is that I give them 100% of my attention mm-hmm. and I try and make them feel comfortable and I, and I try and encourage them to, to open up and tell as much of their story as possible because what it eventually is going to do is going to leave a legacy for their life, mm-hmm. for future generations to use as a resource to look back at this time in history mm-hmm. and 
know what people did in this time mm-hmm. where we can't do it yes i suppose you can you there, there are documentaries and biographies of famous people mm-hmm. but ordinary folk like us there's very little uh, of how ordinary people live their lives and this is a wonderful time to be alive i mean there's so much technology it's, it's it just just given us so many opportunities to be able to 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 explore what we're doing and and have that connection with people around the world mm-hmm. it is isn't it it's just it's such a beautiful yeah. thing like i i look at some of the conversations i've had and i'm like it's like you said people from all over the world um I think if you're listening and you think, I wish I could start a podcast, but, oh, I'm too late to the game or I'm too, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, whatever story you're telling yourself, it's just a story. Yeah. Well, well, look at me. I I was born on the 5th of April, 1758. Look at you. Now, if I can do it at 264, you young people in your, your early 30s and, and late 40s shouldn't have any problems whatsoever. No, no, not at all. You look amazing. Oh, no, I try and keep myself in fairly fit trim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So one of the things that you do with your podcast is you run panels that you, so it's not just like one-to-one oh, interview. No, no, no. That's the, the, this is something different. Oh, it's this different. My, yeah, uh, on on top of my podcast, um, my I'll urge anybody to 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 click into any one of the episodes, and, and you'll you'll be hooked. Mm-hmm. Also, if you've if you've got, I mean, there's nothing on the telly on a Thursday evening anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off this Thursday Thursday live stream. Okay. And this Thursday Thursday live stream is evolving. It's, it's, it's fairly new. I've only been doing it a few months, mm-hmm. but it's evolving. And I and this is where I'm I'm trying to get my message out to talk about taboo subjects uh, and and make it a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. So this is where I'm getting guests in, and uh, we'll sit down. We'll have a panel, and we'll get occasionally stuff in the chat box and questions come in, and uh, we have some fun on a Thursday for two hours. I mean, there's nothing on the telly. Uh, so you might as well tune in and absolutely and, and fall about laughing at, at us sort of talking about really challenging subjects and making fun of it. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, we, we conquered some difficult subjects when I was on that panel with you. So, I mean, yeah. this is, the, this is the thing I want to share is that there's, you're putting out so much incredible content everywhere. So if you are a person who's like, okay, well, how do I shift my mindset? How do I tune in? What do I do? There's content everywhere. Just as much as when you turn on social media and you find crap content, there's really good content everywhere. You just have to choose Absolutely. to look at that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I'm, I'm getting better. I, I'm, I'm improving the way that I'm a delivering it, but be um, promoting it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better with my thumbnails. I'm getting better with my description. Um, so um, it, it's gaining traction. And, and, and I advise anybody out there, if, if, you, if you've got nothing better to do on a Thursday evening, well, it's, it's, it goes from 7 until 9 on, on a British summertime. So 
if you're across in America, it's, it's I don't know. Two, it's, we were two o'clock, yeah. two to four, I think. Yeah, two, two to four on the eastern seaboard <laughs> and, and maybe a bit earlier on the, the western. So, but it's fun. And, uh, and you can always join in the conversation by putting something in the, in the comments box and ask us the question and put us on the spot. And then we'll, we, we'll do our best to answer the question. And if we can't answer the question, we'll go away and find out the question mm -hmm. and uh, come back to you. And if we don't do that, we'll just make something up. We'll just make it up. It's all good. We'll make it up. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. Yeah, I definitely, you could tell that, I mean, our week that, that I was on was a little bit of a heavier topic, um, mm. an important topic. And when there were people putting questions in the chat box, it shows that you're creating an environment that's open to have these discussions because people were asking difficult questions. And yeah. I think that's like, I just, I think that's important because you're, you're opening up the door for people to have these conversations. I, I just, mm -hmm. I love it. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And I just want it to really land for anybody who's listening to think, wow, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm too late to start and all these things that you're telling yourself. I mean, use your gifts, use your gifts, use your gifts, keep using them and practice and let yourself be messy when it starts, right? I often share yeah. that I've had multiple people say, I listened to some of your early podcasts, you've really improved. And I <laughs> I would hope so. We're well into 450 episodes. And the, <laughs> just being a smart ass. But the one, one of the comments was like, why would you leave that out there? And I'm mm. like, I will never take down my old work because I think that it never, it shows you can start and it can be messy. And that's how you allow yourself to practice because even who I am today is going to be different in six months from, from yeah. now it's, we evolve. Mm. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. I tell people what some of the subjects that we're looking at doing? Of course, we're of at, course, we're, please share. We're looking at covering. I mean, we, we, we've looked at death, we've looked at suicide. We're going to look at prostate and testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to look at the effects of the female menopause on men. Oh. Now, that's something that's not discussed very often. There's lots of conversations about the, the, the women uh, and the menopause mm -hmm. and, and the debilitating uh, condition that that can be. Mm -hmm. But very, very people look at it from the, the bloke's point of view and what a bloke goes through. Mm -hmm. And I've had first-hand experience of it, I can tell you. Mm -hmm. and, you know, one, one minute she's as nice as pie, the next minute she's ripping your arm off and beating you with a soggy end. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then she's complaining, she's freezing cold. And then you get into bed, she's like a radiator. You see, <laughs> radiator on full. <laughs> and, and you're always, always... Stepping around as though you're on a knife edge and on, on, on eggshells. So that's the sort of conversation that we're going to have. Mm -hmm. We're also going to look at depression. We're going to look at anxiety. We're going to look at some of the really challenging subjects. Uh, we're going to look into transgender. We're going to look at LGBTQ, XYZ, WD40. Um, that's the sort of thing that we're, we're going to try and Bring it out to the open. We're going to have normal conversations about it and encourage everybody else to do exactly the same. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of you. I love, I love that you're doing this. Like I love, 
again, you're showing that we can all, there's so many things that we can do and so many ways that we can evolve and grow. And I just, I absolutely love it. And I know it's going to continue to reach so many people. So in this show, right, Own Your Choices, Own Your Life, you've shared a lot of parts of your story, so many parts. And can you think of one time that hits you right now where it was like, yeah, I definitely made a different choice and that changed so many things in my life? Yeah. When I came back from Afghanistan in 2009, Mm -hmm. um, that was my seventh operational tour in, in that 10 years. But don't get me wrong. I'd love, I'd love that time in Afghanistan. I spent six months there and I, and I got to meet an awful lot of Afghans. And I really, really, really enjoyed my time. Mm-hmm. Because I was on full-time reserve service, the group couldn't give me another post because they'd just taken on um, some regulars and filled up the, the, the PIDs. Which is which is the the positions? Mm-hmm. I had to look around. I, I had I had two choices. I, I I could go back onto the reserve carder, and I would have got a promotion, and I'd have been part of the reserve carder training team. Mm-hmm. I was I was part of the training team anyway. I didn't really want to go back part time. I got offered a post up at the. Um, interrogation unit, um, I branch as an instructor. I, 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 I did some work with them quite a lot over the years, but um, they offered me a, a post as an instructor. I didn't really fancy delivering the same courses week in, week out. I was offered another post as a counter terrorist briefer to go around the country to different units, briefing them up on counter terrorist measures that were in place and stuff like that. Didn't really fancy doing all that travelling. Mm-hmm. And then this, this this post came up as a welfare officer for London Central Garrison. I thought, that sounds interesting. So I, I put in for it. I went down to London and um, I had an interview. And this was a, a brand new post. In fact, there was three posts. There was three brand new posts. Blank piece of paper. And I thought, this Sounds like I could get my teeth into. Mm-hmm. So I, I I got the job, arrived, and it was a blank piece of paper. I I, I pretty much wrote my own job. <laughs> wow. And what did you do in, I know you said was about eight years you worked? Yeah. Eight years as a welfare officer in, in London Central Garrison. Okay. I started off with, with um, one of the companies of, uh, incremental companies of foot guards. And these are young lads that come straight out trading uh, and they come to London to do the ceremonial piece. These are the guys that, that stood outside Buckingham Palace uh, with Christopher Robin and Alice. Um, so they perform the guards. Mm-hmm. And being young fellas coming out training, so the, the, the 17, 18, 19-year-olds straight out training, these guys come to the big city lights of London and then and on Millionaires Weekend, that's when they've just been paid. Um, they're out on the town. And London, trust me, is a very expensive place to go out and have a drink. Oh, is so it? Yeah. So, so so come the Monday morning after Millionaires Weekend, they're all skint. Um, they're all 
penniless. Uh, and there's a queue outside the office for, for a hungry soldier chip for the month. So at the end of the month, they have to pay the chip off. <laughs> What's left, they can go out on a millionaire's weekend and the cycle goes on. Um, so they tend to have money problems. They tend to have girlfriend problems. A girl, uh, yeah, so they come with their own issues. We also then picked up the five uh, regimental good guards bands. They tend to be slightly older people. They tend to be a bit more, um, I wouldn't say delicate, but more arty. Mm -hmm. So they come with a different set of problems. Um, so it, it's handled all these different issues that people have in their lives and and, and dealing with it. And I say, obviously, we, we were having all sorts of problems. We, at, at that time, the Afghan campaign was still going on. So from 2009 to 2014, there was still uh, the fighting phase in, in Afghanistan. And we were, we were providing guards and uh, guards of honour and stuff like that for funerals and one thing or another. So we were dealing with with quite a lot uh, because we had a couple of the battalions out there, the guards battalions out there, uh, and they were coming back in coffins. Um, so being the, the incremental companies, they were the ones that were picking up the, 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 the funeral guards. Um, so we were dealing with that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. but also this job gave me a huge amount of time uh, to be able to to indulge myself in organising adventurous training for the lads and of course they had to have a, a responsible adult goes on with them so I took guys skiing I took guys sailing we sorted out a rugby team <laughs> so, all the stuff that I love doing mm -hmm. I was able to get paid to do mm -hmm. Because I organised it. I organised a sailing trip um, to, to Croatia. So I took 66 people. We had 10 boats. We had three 44s and seven 36-foot yachts. And we had a week in Croatia uh, giving young uh, day skippers the opportunity to, to, to gain some more experience and get some, some mile building in. Uh, and it gave lots of other people the opportunity to go away and do an adventurous training exercise um, for fun, to, wow. to build that resilience and stuff like that. So that was a great, great trip. And then I, I took guys up to the Baltic um, about six years on the trot. We, we went up there for a fortnight in the summer, took out two boats, and, and we sailed around Denmark and Sweden um, and took sort of... Um, how many guys did we go? We went up with 10 guys, so uh, two boats of five. And we had wonderful times. And then in the winter, I, I, I took a load of guys down to uh, Austria in the early days to uh, a place called Rowis, to the British Telemark Championships, of which I'm an expert Telemark skier. And uh, we took part in a competition. So that was sport. And um, and then in the latter years, we went to a place called uh, Provenon in France to do the same competition. So I've got to do an awful lot of skiing. You did. You did. And experience. I took every opportunity to take liberties. Good for you. When it came to, yeah, yeah. I know. It's hard to believe that I'm a liberty taker. <laughs> oh, but my gosh. But... but one of the, the, the jobs that I, I, I bagged and, and I 
<laughs> I loved, absolutely loved this job. Uh, have you ever seen Troop in the Colour or the Queen's Birthday Parade? Mm-hmm. Well, you know where all the minor royals sit, just out, just above where the Queen and, and the entourage are out front, and they're just in the windows up above. Well, that's the, that used to be General Wellington's office. I served with Wellington during the Peninsula Wars back in the, the early 1800s. Anyway, my old boss, that was his office. <laughs> and the job that I bagged was looking after the minor royals for the Queen's birthday parade. <laughs> so, so seriously? I'm just, seriously, I've got I've got all the minor royals out there. I've got Kate, Camilla, young Harry at the time, uh, and William. No, William was outside, but um, yeah. The, the Gloucesters, the Yorks, the Kents, uh, were all upstairs. Uh, <laughs> and I used to mingle with them. Oh, <laughs> my. Okay, that was interesting that, I mean, I'm glad that made it into the show. I'm so glad that that made it into the show. Yeah, that was that was a nice little, nice little learner, that one. Lovely. It was, it was fun. And, and I don't know if you ever noticed, but... Um, when 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 the afterwards and they go down to, to Buckingham Palace and you see them all come out on the on the um on the balcony. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this year, um young George, uh, when the, 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 the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, there there was only a few of them up on the balcony. I well, know if you managed to if you managed to look back at that, look at young George. Mm-hmm. He was bouncing. And there's a good reason for why he was bouncing. Don't tell anybody, but I have a suspicion that I know who did it, <laughs> what they did. <laughs> Above I'm... the general's office, because that was his first time up there. Mm-hmm. Um, they give the kids all these sugars, all these sweets. Oh, to go up there. Oh, I'm. <laughs> so Don't... Toby's got down the buck house. He's bouncing. <laughs> I, we laughed. So, I mean, that was a meme that went on for weeks. Like we, if anybody, if you didn't see it, I mean, it just, you just Google it because it was a meme that went on for weeks. And I, it was so funny because people would share comments about, you know, can you believe he's acting like this and blah, blah, blah. And my husband and I looked at it and went, yeah, we raised one of those. Like we had, we had one like that who would be just, he did the opposite of what you wanted. He was a clown most of the time. (laughs) It's just who he was. It was pretty funny. Those, those memes, those videos were pretty funny. That that is a sugar rush. Mm. That's what, that's, that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. Um, The kids are all given, all given these sweets and they, and they're particularly the blue smarty ones, which are, which are the ones that are really getting bouncing. Well, I think we all felt for a second, we felt like more human, that they were more human because, you know, yeah. when, you, when you're always watching kids that sit and don't move and don't say anything, you're like, how, how, how? Now you just got to see that, yeah. no, they're normal kids too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't meet young George because he was too young. But when I was there, um, I did meet the other, uh, the oldest one. Um, Louis, really? So, uh, yeah, yeah, he was there. <laughs> he got the same treatment. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Thank you for sharing so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proud, and I yeah, don't tell happy. anybody that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll make sure we won't tell anybody that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm laughing because I'm like, at least now you have another podcast where you are going to be able to, you know, hold on to some of your precious memories and things that you went through. And you just, you gave so much permission to other people to just go after what you want. Like go after what you want. Time is too short. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, where can people follow you, connect with you and find your show? Well, they can get us on all the the, the, the major pod, podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the Spotify's, the Apple's, the whatever, mm-hmm. Google's and, and all that. And just look for um, Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories mm-hmm. and that will come up. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go onto YouTube and you put in Thirsty Thirsty live stream, you'll come up with a show and... Uh, and if you if you if you want to, you can subscribe to it. I mean, if you click the bell icon, you'll get notified when we go live. Okay. Um, if you do come onto the show, feel free to put comments into the to the chat box and ask us questions. Uh, and of course, don't forget to click that like button because that helps the channel grow. Apparently, it does. And if the it's channel if the channel grows, you'll get to grow with it. <laughs> There's a YouTube ad right there. Yeah. Coming right at you. <laughs> Sorry, that was so good. That was so good. Oh, I have loved this conversation. This is our third one in a month. And I absolutely love this connection. I would love it if you, I have one more question for you. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? You coming on my podcast. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Meeting you on my podcast. Oh, okay. You're such a sort, such a gorgeous person. Oh. And, and and it is an open up, open invitation to come on the, the Thursday Thursday anytime you like. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to support you. Honestly, I'm happy to. I, I really okay. I'm gonna second. I'm gonna receive that. Thank you, because I always tell my clients you need to receive when you get compliments. So thank you, and I will always support the work that you're doing because I, I, I mean, as soon as I saw the title of your show, I'm like, okay, wait, extraordinary, like ordinary people, extraordinary stories. I've all about stories. We all have incredible stories to share, and the more we can share, even the difficult topics, the more we can normalize it. And if we can normalize it, then we all start feeling like less that we're not alone because we're not alone. And Mm -hmm. so I love the work that you're doing and I will continue to shout it from the rooftops and support it because it's, it's so needed, Mm -hmm. honestly. Thank you for an incredible conversation. Oh, you have something. Oh, oh, one more thing. If anybody wants to follow me on Facebook, 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 did I call it Facebook? (laughs) You did. I'm always calling it that. (laughs) Um, <clears throat> get serious. <laughs> um, just put in there Tim Hill nine, um, and you should find us on there. I think I'm on um, Instagram as think- at Tim Hill nine, and it's a number nine. I'm a scrum off. Mm. I haven't talked about rugby much, have I? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different story. I'll make sure that all of your connections are there so people can um, like follow and tune in. And I just thank you for everything that you shared today and for bringing a sense of humor to, you know, not easy topics, but I mean, I love, I love 
the work that you're doing. And I'm grateful for our connection. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.